Hello, my friends. Welcome. My name is Joe. This is The Joe Martino Show. And today we're going to talk about seven ways that we can respond to stress that can help us better respond to stress. Even if you feel like you're killing it and you're knocking it out of the ballpark, listen in because I'm hoping that I'm going to offer you some things that might reinforce what you're doing or might offer you some new ways to think about things. Let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. Hello, my friends. Welcome. I'm excited today to talk to you about seven ways that we can better manage stress. This is part of a presentation that I did for a local high school. If you are an educator, if you are an administrator, if you are a youth pastor, I would be happy to do this for your youth. Or if you'd like me to do it for your adults, I'd be happy to do that too. Uh, this is something that I'm very passionate about. And I believe that we can say that it is, it is helpful to people to go through these steps. Now, before we do that, I want to talk to you about the difference between causation and correlation. Did you know that in the summer, swimming accidents and ice cream consumption go up every summer in the state of Michigan? People eat more ice cream and more people have ice cream accidents. Or ice cream accidents. More people have swimming accidents. They must be related, right? They both happen in the summer. The reality is, of course, they're probably not related. And this is important when we talk about stress, because if I asked you, is stress bad for you? Almost universally, the answer that I get when I ask people, is stress bad for you? They tell me, yes, it is. And the reason we come to that conclusion is because for decades, we've looked at people, do they have high stress? Are the outcomes bad? Yes, and yes, they must be related. But what if they're not? What if we're actually looking at stress completely wrong. And that was the thesis of my presentation to the kids. That is my thesis of today's episode. How would your life change if you thought differently about stress? So let me pause and tell you about some research that changed my entire approach to how I work with clients through stress. And this was done by the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and Public Health uh, by Poland, Brown, Whisk, etc. all. You can look it up. And here's what they did. Uh, by the way, if you don't want to look up the research, you just want to watch someone who's really smart and who is the one who turned me on to this. Uh, not that I've ever met her, but uh, through the TED Talk and then her books and her other speaking, other writings. Uh, Dr. Kelly McConigal, who is a PhD level therapist and researcher. She's the one who turned me on to it. Look up her TED Talk. She'll share with you a lot of what I'm going to share with you as far as the data. And here it is. Here's what they did in the first study. They went and they asked people, how much stress have you had? A lot of stress, a little bit of stress, moderate stress, no stress, what? And the pe- and then they watched people for 10 years to see who would die. And I know that that sounds morbid, but that's what they did. Bad news first, people who said that they had a lot of stress or high stress had a 43% higher chance of dying. Dum, 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 joke. There it is. Let's just wrap this up. Eight minute episode, three minute episode, whatever. We're good. Let's go home. But there's more. If they believed that stress was bad for them, they had a higher chance of dying if they believed that stress was bad for them. If they didn't believe that stress was bad for them, the people that actually still had a lot of stress were at a lower risk 
than the people who had very minimal stress but believed stress was bad for them. That would make what you believe about stress one of the best predictors of how stress will impact you. It would also mean that if you have a false belief about stress that it's bad for you simply because you're doing it, that it is one of the top killers of people in America. Now, when you watch the TED Talk, which I hope you do, it's really interesting to me that what happens is when she first says that, People actually, they all laugh. Like you can hear the whole room laugh. And then she presents her data. And as she goes on and presents more and more data, they stop laughing. Because literally you can sense it in the crowd energy. Everything that they think they know about stress is being turned upside down on its head. Everything. And so one of the first things that we have to do, one of the first of the seven steps that we have to do is we have to think about stress differently. I often tell my clients, my kids, I'll tell anybody who will listen, stress happens to you, anxiety is how you respond. Stress in and of itself doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have bad outcomes because there are people that have a ton of stress and they go to sleep just fine. And if you watch the TED Talk, she's going to get into the science of it. What happens to your arteries? What happens to your heart? All these things. When you believe that stress happens to you and it's good for you or at least not bad for you, Very few negative things happen physiologically. But when you believe that it's bad for you, the amount of stress you have doesn't really matter. And so the very first step is to think about stress differently. And then the next step, number two, we have to engage others and do things for others. And she's going to talk about this. There's a ton of research out there that that will show you when when people spend time, significant time, taking care of others throughout their week, it has positive health benefits for them. It has positive uh, physiological responses in their body for them. So the first two steps, think about stress differently, engage others, and do things for others. When we take care of others, we can be helped by ourselves. So in other words, we can take care of, we can improve our own body's response to being stressed. And this could be just, just practice being kind to people. Just say hi to people. When you walk into the grocery store and, uh, they're walking, you know, and you kind of cross paths, hi, how are you? Or hi, have a great day. Or you can go more, talk to somebody at work. How's your day going? Do something nice for somebody. The third step, acknowledge that you are stressed and ask for help. One of the weird things that our society currently does is we're just like, well, I'm stressed and so that's it. Well, you know, I'm under a lot of stress and so that's it. Well, maybe you need new strategies. Maybe you need help in dealing with that stress. Maybe you need help in doing things that cut down on the stress. In other words, if you're stressed because you're not paying your bills, maybe you need to ask for some help. If you're stressed because you're fighting alcoholism, Maybe you need to get some help. If you're stressed because you have a relationship that's very important to you and it's falling apart, maybe you need help. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Again, research shows when we are willing to ask for help, we often can reduce our body's negative responses to stress. All right, the fourth step, mindfulness. Now, we do this two ways. In the moment, you can do a body scan. You can do this anywhere, right? You just start with your feet, scrunch your toes, then you scrunch your your calves, then your, your thighs, then your core, and then your upper body. Here's what we know, that that can help you reduce all of the things running in your system that are a response to stress. Because when we believe stress is bad for us and it happens to us, our body releases cortisol, which is our fight, flight, or freeze drug. Now, we can also make mindfulness a regular practice of our daily routine. This is taking regular time 
to just focus on breathing, to just focus on something uh, in the room, to hold something and focus on it. As little as a minute can be very helpful. Now, here's the really interesting thing. The more difficult the mindfulness is when we do it daily, typically the better help it is for us. Because here's what happens. If you're anything like me, your mind just starts to run, right? We, we get into what, what is called catastrophication. There's this stress. Like right now, while I was doing this, I have a medical thing. Not, not a big deal, but I have a medical thing going on that I need to take care of. And I was supposed to get a refill and I already got the prescription once. And when I went to get the refill, the, the pharmacy was like, well, we're waiting on a pre-auth or something from your doctor. And I was like, okay, well, that's kind of strange, but um, how do I fix it? And he's like, well, you'll have to call the doctor. So I just got online and sent him this little thing. And I had to tell my mind, you know what? It's done. I've done everything I can do. I need to go back and focus on what I'm working on. And that's this podcast. But the thing of it is what mindfulness does, especially if you do it every day, is your mind tends to wander. If you have a, a watch, a iPhone watch or iWatch that, that does, you know, buzz you, hey, do mindfulness. And it tells you just breathe in and breathe out. And it vibrates on your wrist. A lot of people tell me my mind just wanders. Yep. And that's okay because your mind will tend to wander to the thing that you feel stressed about. And what we want to be able to do is tell our mind, nope, we're not going to think about that because we've done what we need to do. And now we're going to come back to this. And so mindfulness is a great tool to handle uh, the stress that's happening to you so that you don't respond with anxiety. Sleep hygiene is super important. And here's how this works. You should have a pre-bedtime routine. The last hour before bed should look the same almost every night. And so here's what we want. We want this pre-bedtime routine where you brush your teeth. Maybe you read. I would prefer that you didn't watch TV or your phone. Now, some people do it. If you leave lights on, there seems to be some research that says doing that with lights on in the room. So the light, the room is pretty bright. It can, you can mitigate the blue light effect and there's some things you can put on your phone. But ideally, you'd have a pre-bedtime routine and you'd get rid of screens one hour before bed. And that last hour would look the same. Maybe you do some mindfulness. Maybe you read. Maybe you write in a journal. Maybe you talk to, to, to somebody in your family. Maybe you play a small like card game or something that's physical cards, not, not your phone or some sort of device. But have the same routine. I read almost every night before I try to go to sleep. My wife laughs at me. She's like, you can go from good night to asleep in 30 seconds. Yes. But part of that is I have, I have really worked over this routine over the last years to, to develop a routine that works for me to help me go to sleep. So you need to have, if you want to properly manage stress in your life, because there's no life without stress. And so if you want to have a life where you manage the stress that's happening to you better, you have to have a pre-bedtime routine and it needs to look the same every night. Be boringly consistent and you will get better sleep and better sleep will help with with responding to stress. Now, getting to sleep is part of the battle. I know some people, uh, they're like, hey, I can fall asleep, but then I wake up four hours later, my mind's just racing. Keep a notebook and a pen by your bed. When that happens, wake up. If, you, if you're, you know, you have to turn a light on to wake your spouse or your partner, go in the bathroom, turn on the light, sit down, or go downstairs to the kitchen. I don't care where you go. Just go someplace where you can sit down. Don't watch screens. Take your paper and pen and write out all the problems that, are, that you feel are keeping you awake, all the things your mind's churning on, and write out as many solutions as you can think of and try to be in bed within 30 minutes. Back to bed within 30 minutes asleep. A pre-bedtime routine and then an ability to put the problems that you're wrestling with on paper. Studies show that's very helpful and might help you get more sleep. All right. Our next step is movement. Regular daily movement is super helpful in dealing with stress. 
And this could be walking intentionally, right? Just getting out and walking, getting 45 minutes to an hour of walking where you kind of have to take a deep breath to talk, but you don't have to run. You don't have to, you know, go to the treadmill and set it on 37 and, and just run until sweat's pouring off your body like a waterfall and you're ready to puke. If you like doing that and you want to do that, blessings on you. Most people that I'm talking to probably don't want to do that and that's okay. But are you getting daily movement? Or do you sit at work all day, sit in your car on the way home, maybe get a little bit of movement cooking and cleaning, and then sit in front of the TV or on the couch on your phone the rest of the night? If you're not getting movement, you're not helping your mental health and you're not helping your ability to process stress. Stretching can be movement, intentional stretching. There's all sorts of great tutorials out there on ways that you can stress, stretch that help your body move, which will help you respond to stress. Really important to, to just be able to take some time to get your body moving. And then the last step is to chase meaning. Are you chasing meaning? Something that is meaningful. Look, for some people, this is going to be very different. I'm not saying, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not asking, are you chasing a promotion at work? If that's what you think is meaningful, we probably could have a conversation about that, but okay, cool. Are you chasing meaning? Are you chasing deep, meaningful relationships? Are you doing something that you find meaningful, even if you're not getting reimbursed for it? Are you finding, are you doing something that you feel like you're contributing to the greater part of society. When I do this with high school students, I ask, I tell them, first of all, life's about more than video games and fun. Quite frankly, it's about more than your high school sports team as well. But there is, a, there is an opportunity there to chase meaning. And not just the wins, right? But this thing of doing the best that you can. But I ask them, what do you want your adult life to look like? What habits do you want to have when you're an adult? And what are you doing to develop these habits today? So for you, my question is, what do you want your life to look like? And what are you doing to develop that? What are you doing besides just existing? And when I say that, sometimes people are like, man, that's harsh. I don't mean for it to be harsh at all. What I actually am hoping that we'll get to is what do you hope you want your life to look like? And what are the things that you're doing to cause that to happen? That's what I'm asking. What are you doing to develop the habits that you want? And then here's a truism that I've said before, if you're a longtime listener, for your life to have meaning, it will have to be about more than you. If your life's going to have meaning, it'll have to be about more than you. And this is our great, I think one of our greatest problems in society today. Our response to stress has been to be all about us. I cannot tell you how many young adult clients I have, say ages 18 to 30, where their response to stress is just all about them. You got to do what's best for me. Do you? Is that what you're doing? Are you really doing what's best for you? I'd actually suggest maybe you're not. I just can't. I just, I can't adult today. I don't want to be a mom. Well, should have rethought that one. I can't mom today. I can't dad today. Should have rethought that one. Joe, you're so mean. I'm not mean. I'm, I hope not. I'm hoping that I'm calling people to their responsibilities. We're going to do an episode on responsibility and comfort and how they are intention. But look, if you want to respond to stress well, you have to be chasing meaning. Watch people who are athletes who run. They say, oh, I hate running. But then they go play a sport where they have to run because they're not thinking about running in the moment. They're thinking about whatever their sport is. They're chasing meaning. I don't like school. Okay, fine. Do you like learning? No. Okay, so you just don't want to ever learn again? Well, no, that's silly when you say it like that. Right. So chase learning and find things that you find meaningful and learn about them. Well, I can't because I have school. 
I really doubt school is the reason that you can't. I have work. I'll be honest with you, I really doubt that's true too. You probably have an hour and a half to two hours a week that you could devote to learning a new skill this year. Whatever age you are, high school, college, adult, doesn't matter. Now that's not going to be all the time. Like right now, my my college daughter is swamped with, you know, end of semester projects and group projects and she's a some sort of leader so she's got to do something with that like evals or something i'm not quite sure so i might be misstating it but she's busy and she's got a job so she's busy and yet she can watch things and learn things and have conversations that create meaning in her life and so if you want to better respond to stress you have to be chasing meaning okay those seven things are this we need to think about stress differently go watch that YouTube video by Kelly McConigal, uh, how to straight, how to make stress your friend. I've talked about it before. Watch anything of hers, read her book, care for others, do a simple Google search correlation between caring for others and stress response. And look at all the ones that come up, acknowledge that you are stressed and ask for help. Engage in regular mindfulness because this teaches your brain that you control it. It doesn't control you. Make sure that you have good sleep hygiene. If you need to improve that, do it. If you're doing it and it hasn't worked yet, look at what you're doing. Make sure you're doing the same thing for the last hour before bed. Try to go to bed as often as you can around the same time and wake up at the same time. Movement. Get regular movement. If you want to go work out regularly, that's fine. If you don't feel you can do that, find some way to get some regular movement. Go for a 25-minute walk. Make it your goal to try to get 45 minutes in. And then chase meaning. Chase after things that are meaningful. And remember, if your life's going to have meaning, it has to be about more than you. All right, my friends, thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this, please share it with your friends. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.